Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. It's our first of a new year. Yay! We hope you had a wonderful Christmas break and a joyous New Year's. And our thoughts, of course, are with all those having to stick it out in isolation because of that asshole that is COVID. Hopefully by 2030, on the back of the 87th variant, we should be nearly done with all of this. But yes, it's 2022 and we're here to have another crack at it. We're now 22 years into the millennium and it feels like the Y2K bug was only yesterday. It was 13 years ago that Julian Faubert joined Real Madrid from West Ham and fell asleep on the bench. It was 14 years ago, Sheikh Mansour bought Man City. 16 years ago, Tim Cahill scored a banger against Japan at the Fritz Volta Stadion in Kaiserslautern. 18 years ago, Arsenal became invincibles. 23 years ago, Manchester United won an historic treble off the toes of Teddy Sheringham and Ole Solskjaer. 42 years ago, Nottingham Forest became back-to-back European champions. And finally, some four to five centuries ago, West Ham won the World Cup. Now, before we jump into it today, I'm going to take a moment to do a shameless plug, something I'd usually do at the end of the episode, but the copious amounts of food and alcoholic beverages that have been consumed over the Christmas holidays have stripped away at the few sheds of dignity and shamelessness that I did have left. So, If you're listening to this and you're a regular listener or a first-time listener, we'd love it if you could pop on over to the Facebook page and give it a share or share the podcast itself. We've steadily grown over the past year and it's been a lot of fun. Every little step in growth we take helps us massively. So if you want to do that, go and give it a share. If not, whatever, fuck off. It's your life. Don't let me tell you what to do. Let's get into it. I've got Tommy on the other side of the interwebs. Mate, how you doing? I'm at my obnoxious best, Sammy. Can you believe we've just come out of a weekend where the two best sides in the world just so happen to be the two best sides I support? It's unreal. The two best sides in the world are the two in best In the world. Sides it's indisputed. Undisputed, man. There's hardly any football going on. I think you can say, or safely say they're the two best sides in the world. <laughs> one being Adelaide, the other being... What? One being Adelaide, clearly. At Leeds United. Come on. Other teams won in England, though. Yeah, this is the first time we scored three goals all season. This is the first weekend yeah, right. both of my sides have won, Sam. So naturally, you're the best now. That's how it works. You're only that as is good how as it works. That is definitely how it works because new year, new Adelaide, baby. We're fucking back. Adelaide are back. Not only are we the most informed team in the league, with the only side to win this week in the A-League. Only side to win this year. Only side to win this year in the A-League, Adelaide. How's that for a record? Also had all four goal of the week nominations. Um, just give hard us the to, trophy. Exactly. Hard to sort through them. Such was the quality and the overwhelming display of attacking threat from Adelaide United that we dominated every statistical ranking in the A-League. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Craig, Goodwin, Craig Goodwin scored two of the best penalties the A-League has seen this year. <laughs> cool as you like, calm as you like. Um, I had to fight Steph for the second one, but nonetheless, I love, love a little bit of uh, a little inter-team rivalry. Yeah, we're off and away. Um, obviously, Adelaide pumping Wellington 4-0. I can't remember now. 4-0. Um, I did... Ridiculous scoreline. I did uh, this thing where like, I was really happy that we won, but I question how good we actually are. And it seems more like Wellington are just... We're just completely putrid on the day. Shh, don't, no, 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 no. Shh, and don't so, think too and deeply. So, and so I have not gone back and watched any of the replay or highlights. <laughs> I'm just sticking with the emotions I had on the day of 
like just the elation of Adelaide winning at home finally this season. So uh, get around that. I also haven't watched any replays back. Uh, I don't care who scored out of Goodwood or Blackwood. I don't care if the first one was a penalty. All that matters is that we're the best team in the, in the A-League for 2022 and long may it continue. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we try and have a go at dissecting, dissecting this a little it. bit though? And um, <laughs> yeah. maybe... Look, my main recollection from the whole thing was I've never seen as home team a ref as I have uh, for this game. And then I, then I realized it was Daniel Elder doing it. And I thought, oh, well, that's probably why. Was it <laughs> Elder? Literally. I read that it was Elder. I didn't actually double check this to make sure it was true. I only presumed it because I heard Ufuk Talai screaming, for fuck's sake, Daniel. <laughs> How good was it being able to hear everything on the bench and everything yeah. on the field? <laughs> that's because there was a crowd of about 18 people at Coopers on, uh, well, we'll call it High Marsh. We'll call it High we'll Marsh. High Thank Marsh. you very much. High Marsh on Saturday night. Um, it was grim, but obviously uh, the COVID scares people away. The there's obviously a lot of people in ISO that can't go out. Um, people obviously wary of having other commitments that they don't want to miss out on if they just happen to be somewhere yeah. where they could catch it. So side. people not taking risks. Um, Wellington, they're just one big risk at the moment. They were they were <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> they were they were dreadful, weren't they? Uh, from the get go, pretty much, they just did not press our midfield whatsoever. And if you're going to let our only creative outlet, which is the guy that stands on halfway and pings balls left, right, and center, uh, is Aiyas, just to dictate everything, of course you're going to have a bad day. They just did not. I just I couldn't understand why they weren't pressing and trying to close that guy yeah. down because he literally our only outlet. Yeah, he um, is he dictated the game, had it pretty much all on his own terms in there as well in the middle. Wellington had little patches and they looked a little dangerous a couple of times down the, I don't know who it was, but down their left wing targeting Trat, um, Trat and Wayne, uh, Wayne Lopez. Or something? Yeah. yeah, targeting Trat and Lopez, but they were, you know, they were pretty well held out. Trat um, <laughs> is a bit of a meme Saturday night. Uh, because I'm enjoy this. <laughs> he did lots of interceptions and he intervenes a lot, makes a lot of blocks, a lot of tackles. Uh, but then just kind of gives the ball away, kicks it out. So, mm. yeah. Um, I saw him at one time. He got a little bit too advanced from his role and turned his back on the game to sprint back into position just to make sure that he wasn't yeah. like out of posse for the next phase of play. And it's like, oh my God, that is just, I, that's, I think that's children's football. I think I said to you at the ground, he plays like uh, a FIFA defender when you're not controlling them. Yeah. Yep. And He's they just kind of do what they want to do and just, uh, it's weird. He's yeah, he's going to be an interesting guy to watch over the course of the season because it looks like we don't have anyone else to substitute for him unless we're going to give young is it Noah young Noah Barr a go, Lockie, oh Lockie Barr sorry, <laughs> Lachlan, Lachlan Noah. Barr. I've just been feeling biblical lately. Yeah, <laughs> Lockie Barr, be, um, be the guy. Lockie Barr brought in from Adelaide City. A lot of people have had uh, some stock in this guy for a while. Um, tipped as one of the best defenders in the MPL for a number of seasons now. A lot of people scratching their heads as to why he wasn't playing for Adelaide United sooner. Um, also had a bit of, bit of, bit of inside goss, a few sources close to us oh, yeah. saying that... Uh, who have you been talking to? Yeah, we got a little source said that uh, apparently Adelaide wanted to sign him at the start of the year, but somehow couldn't afford the MPL defender. 
They couldn't afford him. They couldn't afford him. Interesting. On, on his McDonald's-esque wage, we couldn't afford him. Yeah, apparently not. A semi-pro site. I mean, unless City is absolutely spending up a mozza right now, just nobody knows. Yeah, someone will know. Someone will know. Um, we need more sources. I don't know. Give us more sauce. I want more sauce. Um, Lucky Bar, I don't know how he's going to go. I predict he'll be fine. I mean, mm. I don't think he'll be any worse than a trap or an Ansel, which makes me really wonder why we didn't just sign him in the first place and not bother with an injury-prone Nick Ansel. I know he's got A-League experience, but... Uh, and then and Jacob Trapp, so... It, yeah, it does um, does make me wonder. does make me wonder. Uh, did you hear the other, the, other, the other saucy source? Are we going to go full rumour here about the Ansel contract? Why not? We don't Google anything. Let's go. Why not? There was a lot of, uh, lot of buzz, I guess because there was not as many people at the game on the weekend that everyone had looser lips. I wonder how that works. <laughs> uh, but there was rumour getting around that Adelaide United tried to get out of Nick Ansel's contract as soon as they realised he was a broken commodity. <laughs> Which, look, hey, I don't know the ins and outs, but if you can get away with something like that, that's good business, right? Yeah, it's uh, a different, <laughs> it's morally vague, isn't it? Opaque, is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know, either way. I think opaque, yeah. Opaque, it's... Uh, morally not great. I've never been a fan of this thing. Remember, we were we were pretty happy with the club committing to, who was it that was injured? Was Con, last Nathan Con. yeah. Yeah, Constantopoulos. Um, keeping him on because we saw, saw promise in him, um, sticking, by, the, um, sticking by did, the injured player. Did the same thing with Jordan Elsie as well. Yeah, with Elsie a few years ago, different ownership. We've group, got history with this. Yeah, um, true, but it seems like a club cultural thing. Maybe, but now they're you know they've tried to offload Ansel supposedly. Supposedly, I, I know I said it was good business, but it, it's bad business because everyone could see that this is an injured guy. He's a broken footballer. He barely yeah. runs out of season, so that's why um, Victory was so keen to get rid of him again. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, like I said, would have been happy just to take Lockie Bar at the start of the season. I think that probably should have been done. Everyone would have been pretty happy with that. I think uh, most of the supporter yeah. base makes more sense. Not the international signings you want, but if you're gonna uh, if we're gonna get mediocre Australian talent, we may as well be you know surfing around our NPL. Yeah, get the SA kids in. Get the SA kids in. Um, speaking of speaking of mediocre. Uh, Australian talent. George Blackwood scored. Yeah, a ripping goal too. One of the four best this year in the A-League. I think he will be telling his kids and his grandkids about this goal for many years to come. Uh, it's just, it's such a striker's instinct to get so in the way of a cracking shot that it turns into a really subpar goal. Would you claim it? No. I'd no. fucking I mean, claim yeah, it. Probably, I would. Yeah, you no, would 100% claim it. I would claim it, but in hindsight, you know, Goodwin could have had a really nice hat trick there. <laughs> yeah, um, it would have been a more spectacular goal if he hadn't touched it. What did you it think of Blackwood overall? In. I actually thought it was okay. Um, I thought, I bet this is the thing: was he okay, or was it Wellington allowing him to be okay? Would uh, would have Yangi or to- or Torre been more devastating than Blackwood uh, on the weekend? Yeah, I well, I think Yangi definitely. I think the 
all of this Adelaide win, as much as we want to be obnoxious, uh, a lot of it is down to Wellington's atrociousness. And uh, I have genuine fears now moving forward, especially with like, you know, we've struggled for goals this year and we've struggled for attacking output. And now we've lost perhaps our uh, most efficient in that kind of area of the park in Ben Halloran. Oh, yes. Wasn't this a good way to, to cap off a, your first win of the season? For news to break that the guy that was out because of muscle soreness is actually negotiating. Well, they just deal. said unavailable. Oh, yeah. They quoted it on the comms as muscle soreness because I Did think they? Simon Hill went digging. Uh, he tweeted okay. afterwards that he thought something was a bit fishy. He actually thought it was COVID. Well, the deal um, was already done. Well, we suspected COVID in the stands because we were reading it and um, they listed who was out for COVID. They listed who was out for injury or whatever. And then it just said Halloran unavailable. unavailable. We, were, mm. we were suggesting maybe he had like, he'd asked for the day off. Maybe he'd gone to the boss and said, hey, look, look, Gaffer, I need the, I need the first of Jan off. It's my niece's first birthday or something like that. You know, yep. I've got a dinner go. in the park sorted with a petting zoo. I, I can't be there. I've, I've got, got a table f- booked. <laughs> table booked at the f- midway with the boys. Field day uh, in Sydney. He just had a flight to catch. Yeah. But no, it turns out he's got a deal with a club in Korea and he's off and gone. <laughs> uh, it's rumored to be uh, Busan. Busan Ipak, so. Not Suwon? Uh, okay, so there's multiple teams being circulated, clearly. <laughs> I thought he'd already... Uh, this is bad on our part, but hasn't the deal already been done? They tweeted it was already done. It was confirmed. Mm, January they- 1st, immediately. They didn't name the team though, did they? I don't think that's been revealed. I think that's still go. being it's being speculated as we speak. Here we go. Robbie Cornthwaite thought it was uh, Busan, and you know I get all of my football news from Robbie Cornthwaite. He's my number one source. I've just read FCCO. Oh, there was so okay. Good, we've got three different teams. Then this is a well. well I've probably team. made one of them up though. Maybe he's going to play for all three sides. It's just going to be one different side a week. Maybe. Except Maybe. if they play each other, then he misses out completely. And yeah, he's still he going to gonna, sit out. Yeah, he's still yeah. going to go there and earn eight times as much as he was earning in South Australia. So, a hundred percent, he will. Don't add us there for not knowing what club Ben Hallen was going to. Don't add us. Uh, FFA, FFA Cup coming up this Wednesday. Melbourne victory at home. Uh, are we in danger of losing our cup? Hell our yeah, cup. we're. In, it's our cup for sure. It's our cup. No one has won. Um, the FFA Cup, like in the last five years, it isn't a side named Adelaide United. So in like five <laughs> years, it's it's somewhere around that. They should just, you know, they're, they're going to rename the Cup. And I honestly think they should just rename it the, the Adelaide United Cup. Adelaide United's Cup. I, I want ownership on it. Like Adelaide United's Cup. Yeah, possessive. Okay. So it Not is the ours. Adelaide United Cup. Adelaide United's no, Cup. The one that we own. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, we're, yeah, we're in, we're in danger of getting towed up unless, unless the victory send all their kids again, like they've been doing for every other round that they've played in. Um, and I could see them doing it again and I could see us playing a fairly strong side. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. We don't really have any depth to not play a strong side. So the strongest, like all we've got, we've, we've got like, what we have is it. That's it. So. But yeah, what you what you see is what you have. <laughs> There's nothing beneath it. No, nah, that's it. Um, I mean, we're like an Instagram influencer. There's no, you scratch the surface a little bit, 
and there's no substance there. It's just all material. It's a sign. It's nepoti- nepotistic signings of Japanese kids, Chinese kids, sorry, Chinese to come kids. in and not play, not play in well, the first team. Well, this is a good conversation that's arisen since Halloran's gone, and it's that why why on earth did we let Alessandro go? Not even two months ago, if he, we were like he's not going to get enough game time in this squad right now, he would start every week. Now that Halloran's gone, probably. I don't believe Hall- I don't believe Al wanted to be a winger though either. No, he doesn't want to be a winger. But they he could also be playing. He could be playing striker right now because yeah. his brother and Yengi is out for three months. So, do you think there's a chance we could hit up? Has he even played for McCarthy yet? Is there a chance we could hit them up and say, "Can we just have him back as an injury replacement?" I have no idea. I'm, I'm not, sure if I mean, we were if we were Sydney FC, I'm sure it'd be allowed. Yeah, <laughs> Mustafa Amini, anybody. That's a big signing for an injury replacement. Fucking hell. We're signing Adelaide City youngsters. Yeah. I'd love to be able to just pull up like a, someone who's played in the Bundesliga as just an injury replacement. Just slot straight in. Just casually. Midway nothing, through a season. Nothing to do with the salary cap. Just get him in. All right. We'll move on. We'll get away from Australia. Um, speaking of injuries and stuff like that. <laughs> It kind of plays into this chat we're about to have about the postponement of games, especially in the UK, where it seems like there's an absolute mess going on. Uh, where does the line need to be drawn between postponing games for COVID and or injuries? Like how much of it is down to injuries? How much of it's down to COVID? Go. I um, was firmly on the side of no postponements for COVID. Uh, right up until they started postponing Leeds games, and then I was then I was on side. Then I was like, okay, this is good. I can I can see why people would want this stuff cooled off. No, there's the problem with the Prem is there's not been a policy that's been outlined, nor has there been a transparency behind the announcement of postponements. So the A League, for all its credit, um, came out really quickly and was like, okay, if you have four COVID positive players, you can call a game off. And that's why Adelaide was the only game on the weekend because it was, and, yep. and you know, Wellington, Wellington to their had credit, they had, they had three. Yeah. So to their credit, they still made the trip. They played a bunch of youngsters as well. Um, so they weren't out there full, you know, they weren't full strength by any means. So that's to their credit, that A-League that and the Premier League is just, it's, it's farcical. There's no, there's no other way to put it. Like there's such a lack of integrity to competition. I, th- I feel like the competition has legitimately been jeopardized by this. Yeah. Um, so we've missed a fair bit over the Christmas break with this because we had a week off. But there yeah, was a period didn't? in there where um, we had Thomas Tuchel saying there should be a winter break uh, in the Premier League. Um, which... Can we just, for one sec, just another German has come in or another, another German, uh, a guy that's managed in Germany has come in and now really, really forcefully requested a, a winter break in England. Is this going to be... You know, it, when is Ralph Rangit going to do it next is what I'm thinking. If he hangs around, surely next season he's calling for a winter break. Do you think it ever happens or? No, I don't think it happens. I think they yeah, have too much. Too much. There's too much tradition in the Boxing Day fixture and that, you know, it's traditionally a very big away day as well. That, that whole period, people on holidays, they can get to away games more. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> on the COVID postponements, 
we had Tuchel saying he also mentioned that it was unfair that games were being postponed because it meant teams were fresher when they played against Chelsea. Um, it seems like he's just getting a bit frustrated at kind of drifting a little bit out of the title race. But also mm-hmm. they have like 20-odd players out on loan. So it's not like Chelsea are short of players. The other one is Crystal Palace basically screaming for their game to be postponed because they couldn't fill a team. And then they named their side and there was only one change to their starting 11. And the player that came out the side was on the bench. (laughs) So there's that. No changes then. So there's teams. It looks like there are teams trying to milk it. So over the Boxing Day weekend, we had out of the 72, I think, teams in the Football League, there were only nine games. So 18 of those teams played. There were nine games across three divisions, Championship League 1, League 2. Wimbledon put out a thing. I was listening to that. This was on the uh, Football Weekly Guardian pod the other week, but Wimbledon put out a statement about how they took it upon themselves to work hard with their players on ensuring that their players were okay with having extra kind of uh, club-imposed restrictions on them to ensure that they could field the strongest team possible each week, um, knowing that, COVID could be a problem and could force uh, teams to be without their best players. And a club like Wimbledon with very little resources as well. Mm. Um, so they did that, but now they've done the right thing and tried to make sure that their team can be put out each week. But they've, um, they've been hampered by it because now other teams have just had games postponed anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you are disadvantaged for doing the right thing. And there's no there's, there's a direct correlation between the clubs with the highest vaccination rates amongst their players, staff members, and just general workers uh, in and around the training ground. And, you know, being double vax, like it's, you know, the Premier League double vax rate is still not as high as the rest of the European leagues. And that spreads down into everything else. But you're right. The, the clubs that are better prepared for COVID are the ones that are actually being actively disadvantaged by being better prepared. It's insane. And you can throw Newcastle into this group as well because they, lose Callum Wilson and Alain Saint-Maximum to injury and all of a sudden they've got a COVID issue too. It's just, it's, it's out of control that clubs are yeah. taking the piss now. It seems like they're taking a liberty with it. Um, it's hard to, you don't want to fall into this trap though of just accusing them of, uh, or no, I'm happy to a, do it. Accusing people of milking this, uh, what I guess we could call it a tragedy. I guess a lot of people have died. A lot of people are dying, but Premier League footballers aren't dying. So no. I think you can. If you, I reckon it's even more galling to use COVID as an excuse to not do something when it doesn't affect you as much as it does the wider population. Yeah. What about the teams in the lower league? Do you think like so for a team like Wimbledon, um, I guess they've asked an awful lot of their players. They're not seeing their family as regularly. They're not. Should they have to do that? Um, or, you know, cause they, mm. I think it's interesting. It's the perspective really. Wimbledon obviously have mm. this perspective that, that they're doing the right thing for the competition by ensuring that their players are still okay to play, and the right thing by themselves, by making sure they mm-hmm. can field their strongest team, but should yeah. they have to, or should games at that level of football be postponed anyway? Yeah. I think they should have postponed the games that that would have been the easier yeah. option for sure. Um, well, that's what they've done. Yeah, they have done that now, haven't they? That's that's my point. Is Wimbledon, Wimbledon are saying um, all of that preparation? Wimbledon are saying did. we've done all this work to make sure we can field 
players and now we've had games against teams you know they're not they're not rocking up the game's been postponed when yeah. they've done everything right to make sure the game can go ahead i think you know it's a bit it's hugely it's, unfair it's not black and white no it's not it's hugely unfair in wimbledon um and it just it plays into the lack of organization and just the mandated yeah. nature of this yeah. whole covid outbreak that's happened with omicron we've seen it in in australia but just with general you know state politics and everything like that it's been woefully mismanaged there's been no coordination and that's where i feel like everything has fallen apart and this is where you see that the premier league and the football leagues are not a joint venture it is definitely a split thing that just you know once in a while they're going to grace one of these woeful football league clubs with a little bit of money so they can come and get beat every week in the premier league and then they send them packing on back on their way yeah it just it, it really does illustrate the divide between the football league and the prem yeah 100 percent um I don't know if you have anything else to add on any of that, but uh, no, just mainly I do. I do feel for Wimbledon. I feel for those clubs that have done the right thing and prepared, prepared is it properly. The right thing, I think so. I think it is the right thing because your your job, if you are like a trainer or a coach or someone that works at the football club, is to ensure yep. that your players are ready to play no matter what the circumstance. And I just yep. I feel like COVID, although it is a very exceptional circumstance, if you're going to continue playing football and you're going to continue trying to live as normal, then we shouldn't be making exemptions for this kind of thing. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you've just reminded me as well of another point about management as well. And that's, you know, particularly for the bigger clubs, uh, I'm talking about your Tuchels, your Klops, your formerly Ollie, uh, those yeah. guys. Your peps. Um, you whinging about having the odd, like a couple of first team players out when, they have squads so big um, or about the amount of games that are being played. I know the amount of games that we ask footballers to play is a problem, but the amount of games that they're being asked to play in the league and cups itself hasn't changed. No, it's more, it's, you know, um, we've crammed a few extra kind of half a season into what would have been another season after that COVID delay a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. It was a couple of years ago now. Wow. Um, (laughs) But like, isn't that part of, shouldn't that be part of the manager's job is to manage the squad? Like you can't always play your best 11 players. That's just how it works. That's why you have a squad. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's, this is where the Man City thing becomes so glaringly obvious that yes, they are a team that is better resourced than perhaps any in the world. Maybe they're definitely in the top two in England, Um, but they have a manager that manages the squad properly. And so you look at Tuchel and you look at Klopp, you know, the two main contenders, they have they have a starting 11 that they would wish to play every week because they think, okay, this is the best starting sure. 11. We absolutely need these guys. Whereas a better manager in Pep at Man City who have not, it's not, because I, I would say their strength and depth is similar to Chelsea's. I think Chelsea especially because they have 20 odd guys out on loan who could come into the first team. I just think that Pep does it better. He is the better manager and that's what you're seeing. And you're seeing Tuchel and Klopp getting upset at external factors when really they should be looking inwards and saying, okay, I'm not doing as well as yeah. Pep is like, that's because they yeah, all yeah. have similar resources, man. They've got, they can do whatever they want. They buy whoever they want. They spend ridiculous amounts of money every window, maybe not Liverpool, but definitely Chelsea. There's no reason Chelsea can't do what City are doing right now. 
Uh, maybe, yeah. Look, I think they they definitely get frustrated at outside factors more than looking inward. Um, Pep does it too. They all do it. Um, Pep does it, It yeah. seems to be more of a big club thing unless we consider like Sean Dyche, who's a maniac and whinges about everything. <laughs> um, the madman at it again. The madman Dyche. Um, but yeah, they're just... I don't know. Manage your squads better. Who can you sacrifice in a certain league game? Who do you, who can you afford to leave out against exactly. a lower opposition? You no, know? Exactly. Um, anyway, we'll move on. We can talk about some actual football games if you like. Um, Did we watch any? <laughs> oh man, there was heaps happened while we were gone, but we're not even going to talk about it because it's just been and gone. It's like been and gone. the games Soldiers. are just rolling on. Like even with all the postponements, it still feels like there's just games every couple of days. Relentless, man. It's always like that this time of year. There's no, no Germany or Italy to talk about, so we'll go straight into the yeah. first division. And no one gives a fuck about La Liga, so we can let that one roll. Oh, I did watch a very good La Liga game last night. Oh, we can talk about it later if you oh, like. Did you? Yeah, yeah I could. Right. Oh, we could leave it though. It doesn't really matter. We'll leave it. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll start with the big one that's on everyone's lips this week: uh, Arsenal versus Man City at the Emirates. Uh, everyone Ooh. was really excited <laughs> about this. Everyone was really excited about it. I don't know if it's just because of all the postponements and maybe waiting a few days for more football. And then it was like 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, prime time here in Australia for night shift football. Uh, Excellent. Cracking game of football. What do you got for me? Yeah, it was brilliant. I think I was mainly excited because I genuinely thought Arsenal could beat Manchester City because I am that impressed with Arsenal. And I think that they're building towards something that is you know, that is going to be of Liverpool or Chelsea quality next season or the season after. Like they'll, they'll challenge City for the title in the coming years with this team for sure. And I genuinely thought they were going to win. And after the first half an hour, I thought 100% they were winning this game. They were brilliant, dude. And the goal, Saka's goal, after that wonderful build-up, the amount of passes and incisive runs, it's just... Arsenal were a beauty to watch, man. Yeah, they were. Um, I definitely think... Give them a few years. They keep this side together. Plus, add, they still need to add to it, definitely. Um, they could use uh, another centre midfielder. What do you, what do you want to add? Yeah. They could use a centre midfielder. In, instead Sh- of Xhaka's still just Xhaka. Oh, Xhaka, yeah. He's still just Xhaka. And, Fair. you know, when Xhaka cops a bad rap because he does dumb things and every couple of months he'll have an absolute stinker. But most of the time, he is a good, not great, he's a good centre midfielder. Who does his job well, and that's that was evident when he played for Switzerland in the Euros. Um, yeah, true. Yep. But he's never going to be great. He's not going to take that next step. He can't take that next step. But he is a good centre midfielder. He'd be good depth at a team like Arsenal. Uh, but sadly, he's like a walk-up starter. Um, they could also do with adding a striker, a genuine striker. Lacazette's true. done yeah. okay coming in now for Bamiyang, uh, but Lacazette, as we've seen, is not the guy. He's you he's know, not the guy. He's not mobile enough. He's just... He's fitting for what Arsenal have been for the last few seasons. And now it looks like Arsenal are ready to take that next step mm, back towards yeah. top four football. And oh, yeah. he would not be part of that, I wouldn't have thought. I tell you, I would love to see uh, Vlahovic at, um, at Arsenal. Vlahovic? <laughs> I just think he would be the perfect fit in this team. Yeah, he I'd... would score a monster amount of goals. I think someone willing to spend much more money is going to go after... Vlahovic and he looks like the sort of player who will want to take the biggest wages he can possibly get as well. I get so, I get that impression too, yeah. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, Arsenal had their patches in this game, but City, as they do, they just don't know. The old champion teams find a way to win, I guess. Yeah, you want to do it that way. They uh, uh, the commentator trotted it out. Was it Martin Tyler? Peter Drury. No, one Peter Drury. Yeah, trotted it out. Champions mm. win. I'm torn between uh, do I uh, do I credit City or do I just go full salty? I reckon we should go pillar of salt here. And just as the Arsenal guys did in the tunnel when they, they started that all-in scuffle. Love that. <laughs> what, what a quote. Do you think? Do you honestly think it was um, Martin Odoard that said it? Or? <laughs> uh, you're going to have to share the quote you're referring to. Uh, coaching staff had to break up a fight between City and Arsenal players in the Emirates dugout. The scuffle started when an Arsenal player asked Cancelo, which was the bigger robbery he's been involved in this week? Love that. Obviously, in, re- in reference to, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely sad. Cancelo got robbed uh, on the street during the week, which in, for me, it makes me wonder, these guys are paid so much money. For some reason, I just assumed that they existed in a world where there wasn't common people around them in the UK. But I, I mean, I guess, I guess they do have to mix it and throw themselves up to danger. They're still humans living in society. <laughs> I thought they all lived in gated communities and rode, you know. Stop getting off track. Around. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure who would have said that to him. I'd like to think it was Erdegaard. I like, a part of me wants to think that Erdegaard has this uh, real, oh, I want to see bomber cuntiness about him. Ooh. You know, he's got this. <laughs> we don't usually do that. This little attitude in him <laughs> where he just wants to run around. And I don't know. I think he could be the type. He could be, he can be the Urzulish attacking midfielder but also just be an asshole to defenders and i so i kind of hope it was him but i've got them he's got the mongrel it's yeah. great it's great bands that is proper banter that's what you want to hear thoughts on the two uh, penalty decisions the two you reckon there was a second one that's bait are you gonna take it no how so no, i'm waiting for you to something? answer my question damn it okay the first one no the second one no I think no pens on either count. No pen on either? Yeah, no pen on either count. Don't make me go salty. Do it. Let's see you, the pillars. You don't, you don't think... You think goalkeepers should be allowed to make studs up tackles? I... Okay, now nah, fine. You think players, <laughs> players can't? Players can't make studs up tackles, but goalkeepers can. That's what you think. Just say it. Look, I just think it's a footballing incident. And that's what I would like it to be classified as. I think the Premier could actually learn a lot from Formula One. And there's some, <laughs> there's some patches of play. Racing incident. For, yeah, racing incident. For me, and I've seen the reaction on social media afterwards from pundits and fans alike. But I th- the multitude of angles that you get, and when you slow it down and you look at it from every different angle, you get different sets of people drawing, you know, absolute polarizing conclusions from that yep. same footage. And it's just, at, at this point, we need to just draw a line in the sand and say, okay, if, if we can't agree, then we just say it's nothing. Yeah, we, maybe. We never, we never call football incidences again. And we I mean, just yeah. say, okay, this is a clash of players. They're both contesting the ball. Well, maybe we I'll, should just let this go on. Well, that's why I don't think there's a problem with just having a referee call it. Yeah, yeah. The, exactly. referee, the referee will get them wrong. We've seen that heaps. They will get them wrong. But I'd rather that one referee be making the decisions than having 
someone sitting in a box who thinks it's completely different. He makes his own decision about it. Um, and then we get this mess and then they go on telly and there's an ex-referee on telly saying what he thinks. And then he's arguing with the pundits who are actually, who were former players who are like, what planet are you on? It's showing this disparity again between what referees see and what everyone else sees. Um, and well, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was Stefan Mork and Daniel Garb going to a massive, massive argument on Twitter about this exact same incident. And you're thinking, okay, there's a pundit and there's a player here and both of them see it completely differently. Yeah. Um, I'm not too fussed about which way the first one goes, the one from Edison. I do think goalkeepers get away with a lot more than they should, though, in terms of their reckless tackling <laughs> techniques, uh, a la Pickford on Virgil Ooh, yeah. van Dyke. Um, but this one as well, it's, it's a pretty outrageous studs-up tackle. If that was, I think if that's any other, like a field player, I think it probably gets called a pen. Uh, I'm not too bothered whether it's called a pen or not. Probably not. The second one looks to me like it's a foul, but it, it's also a flop. And I do believe that it can be both. It can. It, I don't think that it can be a foul and a flop because the flop instigates the foul for me most of the time, if not all of the time. I think he's actually fouled because he's already going down. I think he was fouled before that. When before he Xhaka, grabbed his shirt. Yeah, Xhaka blocks him yeah, okay. with his leg. Like yeah, thigh okay. to thigh. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a foul, probably. Would you do they give that in the penalty box? Never, really. Never. They yeah. never do. Unless you um, click going into Rudiger. Unless you go down. Unless you click going into Rudiger. Um, and then <laughs> the shirt targets, like uh, he recognizes the ball is gone. I know people say it's dumb by Xhaka, pull the shirt. Yeah, whatever. It is. It's dumb to pull the shirt, but you can't tell me that that. Little pull on the front of his shirt made his, is it Bernardo Silva? Yep. Made his legs magically fly up into the air from underneath him and his body and his body leap forward onto the ground like that from that one little tug. Like that doesn't make it more of a foul just because it was like little... he was possessed. He, just... had, he had the, an exorcism. <laughs> his yeah. body completely gave way. For all those saying, that as soon as they saw the tug of the shirt, that it has to be a pen, fine, give it. And then I hope you're happy when football games have 20 penalties a game because every single corner or free kick or every cross corner. that comes into the box, yep. there's a penalty because someone's holding a shirt. If you're going to yep. give them, give them, but you're going to have to give them every single time, uh, which they won't do. So what's the fucking point? What's the point? And this is why I'm calling for football incidents. You just say that these are maybe fouls, but... They're too indiscriminate or they're too, you know, subjective just to, you know, wholeheartedly rule on, well, you know, probably. Yeah, that's the other say. part of the argument is, is it a clear and obvious error? No, so why do we make, not. why do they make the referee go look at it for himself? If it's, I think if it's, if it's a clear and obvious error, the guy in the VAR box should be saying, oh, I think there's a mass, you've made a massive mistake here go and have a look for yourself, but it doesn't look that clear and obvious an error, is it? No, it can't be. No, this one isn't. And there's so, so it's more of a, it's more of a, mm, I don't know. It, this is how it feels. Obviously we don't know what the referees are communicating to each other. And this is part of the problem too. I think it would help to know what the referees are saying to each other. Not that we need to hear it during the game while it's happening, but post game, an explanation for some decisions, whatever, whether we like it or not, 
uh, an explanation would be nice. So, okay, that's the way you saw it. Fine. But a lot of these do feel like the person in the VAR box is saying, oh, I don't know. Mm, oh, I don't know. Maybe go and have another look at it, which to me it wouldn't be a clear and obvious error. I know I'm assuming a lot there and making a lot of presumptions, but fuck me, it's annoying. VAR it can annoying. suck my dick. Because it's mainly for that fact, every time they go and look at it on the monitor, you know it's going to be overturned. Yeah. So yeah, if they are undecided in the VAR box and they're like, oh, go have another look at it. Well, what you've done is you've turned a 50-50 into an actual decision and it shouldn't have been overturned. Yeah, somewhat. I don't know if I 100% agree with that because Erdegaard's in the same game wasn't overturned. But yeah, I get your point. Yeah. The other, um, the only, <laughs> the other piece of... Uh, you know, you know what really made me salty is uh, not all of not all of everything we've just spoken about. Not all of everything more. we've just spoken about. I don't. I enjoy watching Man City play. Yeah, they're incredible it's, to watch. They're. Yeah. Someone told me this week they were the best team in the world, which is you know they're probably in the mix for sure. I would um, agree. They, they weren't particularly great to watch in this game, but then. <laughs> What I hate about City is uh, obviously when Rodri scored the winner, naturally he forgot, or naturally he realised when he scored the winner that, hang on, Man City don't actually have any fans. So (laughs) instead of running to the away end, he'll run into the opposite corner. Not only does he just celebrate in the corner, he runs past the advertising hoarding, right up to the fence where all the Arsenal fans are, giving it to him. Why? Why did he do that? Real small dick energy. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of the Adebayor incident from a few years ago, but without any of the historical context. Like, what does this guy have to do with Arsenal? I don't and know. Their fan base. Why is know. he given it large? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I guess, I mean, maybe that's how big a result City thought it was. Maybe they, they knew coming into the game, okay, we could get done over here. I guess so. Um, what did you think of the red card? Was it definitely... I mean, it looked to me like it was definitely a, a second yellow. Like, Yeah, no, nah, just idiotic. Gabriel. Yeah. He gets two stupid and... yellows because the first one was dumb as well. Scuffing up yeah. the penalty spot. Um, I don't I know. Just wish, I, I just wish some people had thrown, thrown hands in those little <laughs> scuffles. I'm not advocating violence. It was a joke. It's a joke. We don't advocate violence unless it is a fan projectile being thrown at a player on the field. At Rodri. In which case. At, or Ramsdale. Or uh, Matthew uh, Loughton, perhaps. Look, there's just there's just an element, element of it as a spectator that's like, oh, man, like, look at you, Man City, carrying on after a win like this. Like, <laughs> so you should. Look, I said this to a few Man City fans Saturday night when I was... <laughs> I was being I was being salty. Um, at peak saltiness. Like, oh, look. Salty towers. Headline. <laughs> headline. Richest club in the world wins a football game. Wow. Unbelievable. You know, you're like Man City fans, if there's any of you and you're listening, you're expected <laughs> to win every week. You're meant to win every week. You have the best team in the world. You have the most money in the world. You're meant to win every week. Stop acting like anyone else cares. We know we're all getting together and cheering for whoever finishes second. We're going to celebrate whoever finishes second as the champion because no one cares about your city. You're still irrelevant. You've still got no fans. None of this matters. That's a wonderful point. I wholeheartedly agree again. Uh, there was a good discussion, I think, on the Guardian pod last week or Jonathan Wilson's podcast or whatever it was. And he was talking about just the ridiculous expectation of winning every week now because that's what Man City does. And people... 
people were saying maybe Liverpool and Chelsea aren't as good as City or and they're definitely not held in the same high esteem as they should be because they're still both yep. two fucking brilliant teams. And, you know, perhaps the City football group with their just really, you know, authoritarian organisation have broken the game of football and they have figured out the way to win every week. Like every team that they own won last season. Do you see that? All yeah. Manchester, oh yeah, all City Football Group teams won. And it's, it's just what an insane thing to think that they could have four different teams in four different leagues across the world and they all, they're all winning. They've broken football and they've created an unrealistic standard, which we can't live up to. There you go. Basically what we're saying is fuck you, Man City, you're too good. Moving yeah. on. Fuck the City Football Pandemic. Moving on. Uh blockbuster last night of uh, Everton and Brighton at Goodison Park. Wowee. Uh, did you catch any of this? Did you, did you look at the three games that were on last night at 12.30 and just think, these are the three least inspiring matches you could possibly put together? It was a nightmare, and it was a nightmare for uh, punters everywhere trying to oh, put a multi on. Multi-killers. Um, trying to put a multi on and... Those are the three games on at once. Like Everton, Brighton, Leeds, Burnley, and Brentford Villa. Gross. Oh, it's just atrocious. It's not great for the neutral. But this game was freaking brilliant. So you, I know you had a keen eye on this while I was watching Leeds. Yeah, I mean, how brilliant was it? It got better as it went on. Brighton got off to a good start. Uh, they just Everton looked absolutely fucking atrocious. Um, they? Brighton got away, 2-0 up. Uh, they end up winning. <laughs> I can't remember. It's all blurred. Um, Brighton won 3-2. Brighton did win. Everton came back twice. McAllister scored an absolute whopping goal for Brighton's third. Um, old mate Gordon scored twice for Everton. Yeah, really, young Willie Gordon. Really confused as to how this guy could score two goals in the Premier League, but every time he took a corner, it went out for a goal kick. <laughs> Baffled by that real Sunday league aspect of his game. Total X factor and that's it. Can't can't do the basic shit. He just couldn't shake that amateur league C grade nature. But he could score goals. Too, too fat to run, but scores a banger every once in a while. Yeah. Basically, that's what we're saying Gordon is. A quick skinny winger from Everton is a fat Sunday leaguer who can't take a corner. Look, prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. Do it again, Will Gordon. Do it again. Prove us wrong, Gordon. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on that. It was just a good game to watch because there was some goals and uh, it was a bit of back and forth. Everton grew into the game and that made it interesting. Yeah, um, otherwise, it was just definitely. a pretty regulation uh, win for Brighton in the end, who were worth their three points. Who, again, had a lower XG than their opposition, but won a game. And it just continues to be a meme that rolls on for the rest of the season. You know what good should be Brighton. a meme? XG should be a meme. XG is a good I don't marker care about it. of attacking chances. I'm telling you now, I don't care about it. I've had every time you bring it up, I just, I just don't care. I don't care. You're, you're, you're totally discounting probably the best statistical measure that we have yep. for Damn. global football. I'm all about visceral reactions. I don't give a fuck about measurements. It's more about what I see than what I can measure. It's about what I see. Uh, moving on, you watched Leeds Burnley. I did watch Leeds Burnley. Bloody great game. Uh, for for me, not for not, you. Maybe maybe not for the neutral or for you and a couple of our Leeds listeners. Look, it was relief more than anything 
Uh, but the, the biggest thing in this game that caught my attention and I want to play a little game with you. This is a, can go. you guess, who, can you guess who I am? And can you guess uh, what this quote is referring to? So. <clears throat> Hopefully he's all right. We don't want to see that. I don't want to overeat that. It was a great atmosphere instead. <laughs> How does he speak like this every game? Obviously, we were just on the wrong end of that atmosphere there, but I don't want to overreact that. That could only be Dice the Maniac because I didn't understand a word you fucking said. How the fucking hell does he communicate like that every day, all day? What's wrong with this man? Perpetual throat cancer is how. Oh, my God. I bet, he's, I bet he hasn't smoked a cigarette in his life. Um, that was on Matty Loughton being struck by a bottle <laughs> thrown by a Leeds fan. In, in, in the wake of the, the Burnley equaliser. And I guess that plays into a little bit of the Rodri celebration. Uh, there was definitely a lot of projectiles being thrown onto the field. Yeah. Uh, fans chucking stuff. It's not, not, not really on, is it? There's too much of this going on lately. We saw a little bit of it at um, Adelaide United Melbourne Victory the other week. Uh, not naming any names if you're listening. You know who you are. You know who you are. Um <laughs> But also, yeah, the Rodri one. Uh, Leeds fans uh, probably every weekend it seems. Pretty they bad threw, for it. Threw all three their, incidents now. Threw all their loose change at Ramsdale the other week. Um, now Burnley copping it. Good yeah. thing Ramsdale's a coin collector. Yeah, but um, have you got anything on the actual game, or are you just going to do dodge impersonations? No, I was just I was going to say conversely, I don't really mind seeing these overpaid wankers get hit by you know. <laughs> You can't say that. <laughs> what they, they are. They're overpaid pricks. And I don't care if they get sconed with a half cup full of piss. Like that's, I really don't mind. <laughs> we should have a visual version of the podcast. They could see me just glaring at you through the screen here. This is... <laughs> Sorry. If you're going to, but like if you're, there's all sorts of places you could go onto a football pitch when you score a goal. Maybe don't go into the area where you could get hit by a bottle. <laughs> That's all I'm I mean, saying. The pitches, uh, the stands are very close to the pitch. I definitely agree with that. And like, you know, when people, they seem to like intentionally run the wrong way. I would yeah. love nothing more than if you scored away from home to run and support with your traveling fan, like That's um, what you should celebrate go. with your traveling fans. That would be so cool to do. Yeah. That's what I would dream of. And that's where, that's where you, I would think to go. Yeah, uh, but no. Some guys like to give it large and then cry when they get hit by a Coke bottle or something. Like Celebrating that. doesn't give you the right to. Uh, well, it doesn't shouldn't allow free reign for things to just be thrown at you. What sort of society we're living in? It's not much of one, I tell you that. Damn it! Uh, man. <laughs> speaking of celebrations, uh, Mo Salah is so good, he's run out of them. When he scores goals now, he does not bother. To even react. Yeah. Um, we're just glossing over uh, Brentford and Villa be- quickly before that. We're not, we're not bothered with it. Doesn't matter, does bothered. it? Doesn't not matter. Really. Only that-, that Brentford has defied every expectation that we set for them other than yeah. that. Yeah. And Trezeguet did that massive dive, which you can see on our Facebook page if you go and have a look. Um, Fallon d'Or. Yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool at the bridge. I, did, I, I wanted to watch this game live so badly, but it was 3 a.m., Bullshit time. Don't the people in the UK care about us? My God. So I watched it when I got up this morning and it was an absolute cracker. 
yeah, great game. Great bloody game. All four goals were of really the highest quality. There was maybe some defensive lapses, but, you know, this is yep. what you want to see from two title contenders. It's just a shame that they're racing for second rather than first. Yeah. It, the only thing I'd say is towards the end of the second half, it looked like it became a bit more of a uh, neither side wanting to lose type scenario. They definitely mm. tightened up mm-hmm. at both ends. Um, it just, you, you, you it's not good though, for the, the top it, teams. You would like to, I'd like to, yeah, but I would like to have thought both teams knew they had to win. Like someone had to win. Someone had to risk it to win to keep in touch with City. I don't think the draw is, a draw is any good for anyone there. Except I, City. Yeah, I get this, but like there was a really good uh, graph that came out during the week and it was like points per game versus the bottom 10, points per game versus the top 10. Mm. And you would you would hope that Liverpool and Chelsea points per game versus the top ten would be in excess of two, right? Yeah. But it's both of them are locked at one point four, and so there's definitely a mentality within the teams, and you know you could maybe see this coming when there was no breakthrough after seventy or eighty minutes. They were just going to peter out for a draw because that's what always happens. You know, by contrast, Man City's PPG versus top ten is two point five five, and that is why they are the top team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, but I don't know. You can take the like the risk between getting one point for a draw and losing and getting zero points. Like it's it's one point in the scheme of things when City already have this margin and you need to chase them down. Uh, I would have been risking that point to try and get three for sure. Are they looking over their shoulder now? That I mean, they're closer to Arsenal and West Ham chasing them than they are to City. I Is maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't, I don't think so. I doubt they would be. I think Tuchel and Klopp both know there. Chelsea and Liverpool are the clear, uh, the clear like second and third teams behind Man City this season. Sure. Like yeah, those top sure. three are, they're kind of in their own. The points table may not wholly show that, but I think uh, come the end of the season, I think we'll find a bit of a gap open up between third and fourth. More so than yep. there already is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Fair. I could see that as well. Yeah. That'll probably happen. Um, maybe for Liverpool, it was more that they were happy with an away draw, an away point. Maybe the onus was on Chelsea a little bit more to go out and attack. Maybe. Um, but like I said, it doesn't do anything for Liverpool chasing the title. It's true. Yeah, I don't think. True. Uh, they probably, both sides probably had to win it. I think Liverpool do have two games or was it one game in hand on City now? Not sure, but either way, that gap's, you know. One game. They have one game. One game. And the gap's... They're 11 points behind. You know, so they win it and it's eight. Mm. Yeah. It's... you yeah, you got to hope City drop three games somewhere along the way. And it's just... Yeah. Where is that going to happen? Yep. Uh, um, I, I believe Liverpool still have to go to the Etihad as well. So, mm. you know. Well, City don't have any fans there, so it doesn't matter. But... It's no home advantage. That's no home sure. advantage, but yeah. We've had a bit of a tea at City fans unnecessarily today. That it's unnecessary. They, they. Hey, you know, if you want to be this one... size, if you want to be this club, you want to be this size, you have to deal you with got, this. Exactly. You got to take pot shots from people that you know don't know what they're talking about. One and have never experienced. Success. In the same way that celebrating goals entitles people to throw bottles at you, by being a good club and winning, we're entitled <laughs> to hang shit on you all the time. Why not? All right, let's finish off with this. Uh, I sent you this earlier, but the guard we love it. We're we're a sucker for the Guardian, aren't we? Uh, but they released 
their list of the 100 best male footballers in the world for 2021. I'll kick off by saying I don't really give a shit about calendar year statistics and stuff. (laughs) It means nothing. We watch football in seasons, not in calendar years. So it doesn't like... It doesn't, this, it doesn't this, fucking mean anything. This was your idea, and you've already straight away know, just but, gone. We know it doesn't fucking matter. Well, it's it's here. It's content. We can look at the list, and we can. <laughs> part of dissecting this list is saying it doesn't fucking matter. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Isn't it the same as the previous year? Is the is the top four the same? Unsure. Don't know. Would you <laughs> like me to read the top ten? I'll read the top ten out. Yeah. Do it. Right. Yeah. Hit it. In tenth. Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne in ninth, Golo Kante, Chelsea. Yeah, give me a lower, uh, whether they should be lower or higher as I go. Right? Okay, definitely higher De Bruyne. Definitely higher Kante. Kante. Eight, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, dude. You lower. know my answer to this. Lower. Should be lower. Seven, Erling Holland. Dortmund. Although, sorry, in saying that, he did score 47 oh, goals. Me. Just, I just want ha- higher or lower, mate. Highland <laughs> uh, lower. Kylian Mbappe, lower. Sixth, lower. Yeah, I think lower. Fifth, Jorginho, Chelsea. <laughs> Dude, why I is he to, even I need to hear you mentioned say it. lower? I need to hear you say it. Lower. So much lower. He's not even in the conversation. Four, Karim Benzema, Real Madrid. Yeah, about, about right. Fair. I think the rest of these are all fair. Third, Mohamed Salah, Liverpool. Higher. Higher. Two, Lionel Messi, Paris Saint-Germain. Lower. You would swap Salah and Messi. I would probably have Messi like around fifth or sixth, to be honest with you. Number one, Robert Lewandowski, Bayern Munich. I think lower, but only second. I don't know. Mm. I would, I watch more Premier League, so I would give it to Salah. But Lewandowski obviously has just the most insane record right now yeah, for I, more than one year as well. I don't think there's much separating lower Messi and Salah mm. in the top three there. And then yeah, we take your <laughs> fucking Jorginho in fifth. Are you serious? We've discussed this before, but, you know. Kante has to be higher than him. That's my opinion. Do you want to have a guess at who the highest goalkeeper was? Um, Donnarumma. Yes, it's Donnarumma. He was 12th. Oh, fuck off. 12th behind (laughs) Romelu Romelu Lukaku, who was 11th. Who You know, this is another reason why... Another reason why calendar year lists and statistics are fucking bollocks, because... Lukaku, unreal Inter for that whole season. Um, how much of that plays into him being, you know, the 11th best footballer in the world, according to the Guardian, you know? Exactly. It doesn't match up. I'm scrolling through it now. Like you would say Harry Kane had a better calendar year. Uh, Chiesa had a better calendar year. Like these are guys. How about wow. um, Nicolo Barella from Inter? Won the league with Inter. was probably there. Yeah. 26th in this list, along with Lukaku, one of their best players for the season. He was also incredible for Italy. Um, yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Even someone like Phil Foden down at 25th, like you can tell because it's fan voted, a lot of it, it's a popularity, a lot of it. Is it fan voted? I don't think it's fan voted. It's, oh, is it they, not? Is it Guardian? No, they had a, a, Guardian, right. a Guardian panel. Um, oh, okay. Guardian panel come up with it. Um, just for shits and gigs, okay. should we read out 100 to 95? Yeah, do it. I have no idea who it is. Go on. 100 is Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Tottenham. Are you fucking kidding me? That Look, 100th mate. best player in the world. Okay. Higher right, or lower? Sure. Oh, lower. He's not in the top 100. I don't know. 100 players is a lot of players. 
Well, is is Calvin Phillips in this list at all? I would have him above Quebec. Oh, you'd have to let me scroll, but Luke Shaw's 78. <laughs> oh, bro. Declan Jude Rice Be- is Jude Bellingham's 72nd. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd, I'm happy to have Jude in there. I don't reckon KP. They've still got so, yeah. uh, Slatan Ibrahimovic is 56, which shows how much oh. Milan they've watched. Bro, bro, bro. Yeah, I can't okay. find Con- I can't continue. find Calvin. KP's not in there. No, nah, KP's not in there. So Huyberg's 100. 99, Yuri Tillemans City. Oh, higher. Uh, 98, He's good. Uh, Gavi, Barcelona. Uh, I've, I've, he will be in this yeah. list. I I've don't watched think this guy. he should be yet. I've watched this guy a few times. He's excellent. Yeah. He's uh, pretty 90, good, yeah. 97, Fabinho. What, the Liverpool one? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. 96, <laughs> sure. Joachim Mela from Atalanta. Okay, yep. Yeah. Nate, fair. Don't yeah. mind that. <laughs> no, throw in your obscure Italian. <laughs> 95, Bukayo Saka. Okay, yep, true. Maybe higher. Probably should be higher. Yeah, fair. Um, the highest player outside of the top European leagues, I believe, is Dusan Tadic from Ajax. At eighty nine. Yeah. And the only he player not in Europe is Julian Alvarez from River Plate. No He's at ninety first. Way. So there you go. That really illustrates where this list lies, I think. Well, I mean, the top 100 players in the world are likely playing in the top five European leagues. So I don't think it's that unfair. I think to only have one is pretty unfair. I think that shows a, a level of a, bias so you shouldn't really count this for much. It, it's not a, uh, you know. Well, look, the South American side is no, always there's no quota. There's no in quota. the World Cup. Maybe because, they should be. Of course, they, there's only one European team. <laughs> Of course, the South American team finishes second. My God. All right. Maybe we've gone on long enough. Maybe that'll do for this week. Oh, happy uh, happy beginning of 2022, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Long may it continue, Sam. Yeah. Leeds and Adelaide United, best two teams in the world. Adelaide. I don't know about Leeds, but they throw oh, bottles at players. Contesting. All right. Thanks for getting around it. See you later. Yep. Appreciate everyone that tunes in. Um, No one cares about La Liga. Thank you. Yep. Bye.